You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Took a loaded gun and <laughs> with 12 bullets in it, by the way, put it underneath my chin and pulled the trigger. Some miraculous way how. Incredible doctors, the people that were there that I didn't even know were there, here I am. While the book is called The Ultimate Comeback, I'd say my life is the ultimate second chance. Because I don't know how many people do something like what I did and then are still here to talk about it. Hey everybody, what's going on? Welcome to the Jim Rome Podcast and welcome to episode 296 where today... I am joined for the second week in a row by a former NFL quarterback. He is a former ACC Player of the Year from NC State. He had an 11-year NFL career with the Falcons, the Lions, the Bears, and the Chargers. He is, get this, the only starting quarterback since the merger to lead the Lions to a playoff win. Detroit fan, you already know who I'm talking about. My guest this week is Eric Kramer. What amazing timing. Amazing to get a chance to catch up with him as the Lions get ready to try to win their first playoff game since Eric's win over Troy Aikman and the Cowboys back in 1991. However, the discussion we're about to have goes way deeper than football because Eric has been on a deeply troubling and traumatic yet ultimately inspirational journey since his playing days ended. And rather than say anything else about that, I would rather just get right into this conversation. It is episode 296 with former NFL quarterback Eric Kramer, and it's coming at you right now. So Eric, I've got to say, with the Detroit Lions playing as well as they are right now, and the fact that you were a star with the Lions and the Bears, it's great to run you down and we could talk some football, but most of all, it's great to get caught up and you've got a book out that I do want to talk about. How are things, Eric? Great to have you on. Thank you, man. Happy New Year. Happy to be here. And um, love the fact that at least one of those two teams are in the playoffs. It would be great to be both, but uh, the Lions are off, had a great year and uh, last great last half of, of last season. So, yeah, all things are good in Detroit right now. No doubt about that, and we'll see how that plays out. Now, the thing about this is, Eric, we, we certainly could talk football, but you've written a book called The Ultimate Comeback, and this is it's a very intense book, and it's a very compelling book. I want to start right there, and I want to spend time on this. What is the book about, and why were you compelled to write it? Because it couldn't have been an easy thing for you to write. Uh, well, true enough, I suppose, but um, the book, covers quite a bit of stuff. It's uh, it's not terribly lengthy. It's a little bit over 200 pages long. Um, but it covers, you know, just um, a little bit of the football background that I had, a little bit of growing up, some of the issues, or I guess uh, the relationships with I, my both of my parents and my kids. And ultimately, um, I had some tragedies along the way that life happens to reach up and bite us all at some point. But my oldest son, Griffin, passed away uh, when he was 18. Um, And then my mom, who had already been sick with cancer, uh, eventually she passed away about eight months later. And this Griffin passed away uh, toward the end of 2011. My mom was in July of the following year. And then about the same time she passed away, my dad um, had been having some um, acid reflux, but it went untreated 
which then turned into esophageal cancer. And uh, so from that, the point he got that, it was about three years and uh, of his own steady decline. And uh, I just, you know, it, it's kind of like, and Dylan, my youngest son, um, was not living with me at the time. Um, and it just, it was a very strange experience to have really the people that, um, were very significant in my life were absent, were, were exiting as opposed to coming. And it was just a, a very, um, troubling time, I would say. So it eventually led to a suicide attempt, which because I'm now talking to you, it obviously failed and thankfully it did. So, um, anyway, because of that and, and the lengthy recovery time it took, which was several years, um, it's allowed me to now live with a different kind of purpose and uh, starting with being here and all the people that would have had to deal with me not being here. And then uh, a couple of projects that I'm working on. And so it's, uh, you know, I don't mean to sound so, what, happy, but I really am. Um, you know, that was, like I said, back in 2015, which was a good eight years ago. And um Anyway, so anyway, Jim, I'm so thankful to be on your show and uh, happy that life is moving forward. It's such an amazing response, Eric. There's so much in that and there's so much to unpack. And I'm really grateful to have you on the program. I think that your message is so powerful and you do chronicle all this in the book. Of course, you and I are both 818 natives. I love that you came from the Valley. <laughs> I remember you played at Pierce College. I remember when you played the game, yeah. you and I would have conversations. But you know, part of why I bring this up is I think a lot of people would look at you and certainly back in the day and say, man, he's got the greatest life. And to a certain extent, mm. you did, but then they don't know about the trauma that you dealt with. You just mentioned you lost your son, which is every parent's worst nightmare. I can't even imagine. I have two sons, Eric. We have two sons. Mm -hmm. And then you lost both of your parents in a period that was not long thereafter. Let me mm -hmm. ask you, and it's sensitive, but you talk about this in the book, so I'm going to ask you, tell me about your son, Griffin. He passed away at 18. What was he like, and what do you remember most about him? Well, uh, you know, it, like I said, or like you just mentioned, he was only 18. And so... Um, Early on, Griffin was a miracle kid to begin with, because at about three weeks old, the the doctors and pediatricians who had kept, you know, thinking that he had colic, uh, there was one pediatrician in a group of others that noticed there was something a little uh, troubling with his uh, umbilical cord, which had just fallen off. And um, uh, so... We went over to Tarzana and had some a bunch of tests done and a and a uh, forget like a, a spinal something or other, and uh, about I want to say it was uh, that day that uh, the, the doctor came in and uh, uh, said, "Okay, we have to get him to emergency surgery right now." And what it was was a, a staff eating bacteria. I mean, a staph infection, which is a flesh-eating bacteria. And um, this happened the day before I was supposed to go to training camp with the Lions in uh, 1993. And um, so, uh, obviously, I didn't go. And it was 
I don't know, a couple months later, um, when I did go, the minute I get off, I get to the Silverdome, there was practice going on, I get a phone call saying, oh, uh, Lupa Bell has just, uh, or Dylan, Griffin, excuse me, um, Lupa Bell had just punctured or popped through, and now they were rushing him to Children's Hospital. So I got back on a plane and went there. And uh, so this was a, I don't even think, my I was married at the time and Marshawn, obviously, and Marshawn and, and Griffin, I don't think they came out until the season was nearly over. And um, in any event, he, he survived all that. But it kind of set the stage for what came later, which was, um, uh, you know, it went from some, you know, kind of being the life of the party, so to speak, as a kid to um, it, it, he began having hard time fitting in with with friends of his. And um, and so eventually uh, we had him tested and neuropsychologically tested. And it is about age 12 or 13. And uh, he had some difficulties brain wise. And uh, it, it was there was never going to come a day when sitting in a classroom was going to work out for him. And he was kind of unknowingly sabotaging the very friendships that he was so reliant on. And so as we all need to be connected to somebody or another and uh the 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 types of people he the level of person he would become surrounded with were also not good decision makers and eventually in 10th grade um we decided it was good time to get griffin into uh, an inpatient uh drug rehab facility uh not too far from where we lived and uh about oh i don't know like three months later um uh, you know, like the parents come and on weekends, uh, I guess one day on the weekend and, uh, you know, kind of get an update as to what's going on, uh, hang out with your son or daughter. And then um, uh, this is why I was an inpatient and then meet with him and a counselor once a week as well. And from there, you transfer to uh, or he did transfer to an outpatient program. And that was about an, a year and a half or so long. And. I could see kind of toward the end of that, he had kind of looked at that as a finish line. And whereas in the beginning, I'm talking outpatient, um, he was like, good, you know, thank you for getting me here because otherwise I would have been, uh, you know, in jail or dead to later. Uh, oh no, that was brainwashing and it wasn't brainwashing. And um, so Griffin went back into school in high school, which he probably shouldn't have. And uh, eventually kind of got back around uh, an original crowd that he had been a part of. Um, and uh, he ended up dying of a heroin overdose on October 30th, 2011. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL playoffs, is bringing you an offer that will help make the playoffs electrifying. New customers can bet 5 bucks on any game and get 200 instantly. How do you like that? All you have to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use my code ROME, R-O-M-E. New customers can bet just 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. 
only on DraftKings Sportsbook. You do have to use my code ROME, R-O-M-E. The crown is yours, and you do have to be present in a state where it's lawful to wager. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. So that was, uh, you know, a, a very, <laughs> there's no way to describe what that day was like. Um, and uh, it's, it's certainly the saddest I've ever been, and for an extended period of time, too. Um, but, uh, yeah, and that, that's kind of where, where everything kind of turned south. And uh, it wasn't long after, I, like I said, my mom had already been sick. And uh, so her cancer had come back after a, quite a lengthy uh, uh, surgery. Uh, and, you know, that was just, it was just tough times. And like you mentioned before, uh, the depression part even happened while I was playing. Uh, and so th- something like that had never cropped up in my life. This is uh, when I was with the Chicago Bears. And uh, so... You know, it's it's you're right. I mean, it's you from the outside. It looks like oh, what great, what a gravy train life this is. But um, you know, it, real life affects everybody. You know, Eric, it's it's so terrible and it's so traumatic. And I know that you're helping so many people by sharing this, and it couldn't have been easy. But when you point out, for instance, that depression, you experience depression also in football. I mean, there's no doubt you lose your son and you lose him horrifically. You lose your mother. Your father has a lengthy battle with cancer as well. But then there's football. When did you first experience depression? And was football part of that? It was. Um, it was uh, you know, my story, uh, coming up through high school, you mentioned Pierce college. Well, prior to Pierce college, it was high school. And, um, I went to a couple different high schools and on the varsity, I didn't start on either high school varsity team. And, uh, and so then I went to junior college, uh, got, you know, uh, eventually after a couple years, you know, one year, I gray shirted one year, I, I was a backup. It was the third year I was actually there when I played, and uh, ended up taking a scholarship offer, thankfully, to North Carolina State. Um, but they brought in two other junior college quarterbacks also. So an undrafted free agent called my way onto the Lions. And um, uh, then, you know, this was the one team ever, <laughs> really, since youth football, where they're like, hey, you're, you're going to be the quarterback. Well, it didn't quite work out that way. And after a couple of games where I didn't, you know, maybe four games or so, uh, where I was playing kind of average, um, then um, I ended up separating my shoulder or, yeah, I think it was separated shoulder and then uh, was out for a few games, came back. I think I played in one more game, which I think we lost to the Eagles. And then um, uh, I was back on the bench again. And so uh, here I'd been brought in to do something, which I clearly wasn't doing. And it was, it was kind of like, oh, God, this is this couldn't go any worse. (laughs) So I wasn't living up to what they brought me to do. And uh, so I remember having a hard time 
really getting out of bed. Uh, and, you know, at that point, I really was just practicing, but but I had to be ready nonetheless to play in the game. And it's a difficult thing to do when depression, which I'd never experienced before, came creeping in. And um, so, you know, you just you, you rally on those around you. Um, and eventually I ended up seeing a doctor, I believe, and, and got some antidepressants. I remember my mom coming out, which at the time was um, was pretty amazing because my mom and I growing up did not have the closest of relationships. And uh, so for her to drop her world and come out for several days was, uh, I don't know, is this, you know, she obviously could tell something was going on and I didn't even know how to describe it. But uh, uh, nonetheless, she came out and, you know, she just has kind of a good way of assessing what's going on and where she could step in. And so, you know, that's it, it's small things like that that end up, you know, kind of turning turning things around for you. But it, it took a while. Craving some protein after a good workout. Do not make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper instead. Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender and made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. Old Trapper is a family-owned business. They take their smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. Like, who wants dried, tough beef in a bag? Nobody. It's like eating a shoe. Old Trapper, though, is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors. Old-fashioned, teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy. So the next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. That way you can see the quality that you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you do not see it, clones, be sure to ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? So a mother would know, and she knew, but sadly you lost her. And Eric, I've heard you talk about this. You say that at some point the light just went out, and to use your words, you then plotted your own escape, which brings us to August 18th, 2015. You checked into a hotel room here in Southern California. What was the plan, and what happened that day? Well, I'm a little fuzzy on all the details, quite frankly, on that day, but I ended up at, of all places, the Good Night Inn, and uh, ironically, uh, and, you know, uh, kind of had made plans kind of just internally as well as in a will, and, um, you know, basically that particular day, I drove over to the good night in, uh, checked in, and um, eventually uh, sat back up against the headboard, uh, took a loaded gun and <laughs> with 12 bullets in it, by the way, and uh, uh, put it underneath my chin and pulled the trigger. And uh, somehow, some miraculous way how, uh, through some incredible doctors and uh some you know the the people that were there that i didn't know were there um uh it's just here i am and uh so while the book is called the ultimate comeback i'd say my life is the ultimate second chance because i don't know how many people do something like what i did 
and then are still here to talk about it. Eric, the whole thing to me is so chilling because I grew up in that area. I grew up in Calabasas. Mm -hmm. I went to A.E. Wright Middle School. I know that hotel or that motel. I know exactly where that is. I know... Mm -hmm. I, I know what you're talking about. So the whole thing really is, if it weren't chilling enough, I know that area, I know that spot. I mean, if you pull that trigger, we're, not to be graphic, but I, one that we're even having this conversation is insane. Where did the bullet go? Where did the bullet exit? What happened? I, I didn't go back there to do any research on where the bullet went. Um, as far as I know, the police have the, the gun now. Um, and I don't know. Like no, well, I, what I mean is, I'm sorry to interrupt. I mean, is, but it exited the top yeah. of your head, right? It went through your chin, through your nasal cavity, and yep. through the top of your head. Right. And yeah. So it, it took, uh, it you know, whatever it passed on its way out, it took with it. And um, so yeah, it, it's it, as as miraculous as it sounds to you. It does to me and anyone who would hear of something like this. Because I, quite honestly, Jim, did all the research I could do on the best way to do this. And even that failed, thankfully. So, I mean, you, you did. You plotted it. You researched it. You bought the gun. You went to a shooting range. You practiced. Did you leave <laughs> notes, suicide notes, farewell notes, that, the whole nine? I did. I did. I did. I, I left them for... Several people, including my son, Dylan, um, who at the time, you know, this is what you lose perspective on. I had no idea what day of the week it was, what day of the month it was. Well, the day was actually the, the day before Dylan was going to start his junior year of high school. So imagine getting that news mm -hmm. if you're Dylan. When, and, when, when you had already had to tell Dylan one day prior to that he lost his older brother. Correct. Not only that, but he lost both sets of grandparents. Um, he went through, and I'm talking Dylan and Griffin, um, kind of a long, a long between Marshawn, my, their, their, their mom and I, a long um, separation get back together, some of the separation, get back together, another separation, get back together, eventually a divorce. So that was a ping-ponging effect on both of them that I wouldn't wish on anybody. And uh, I, you know, that's also part of this whole story. And uh, I remember Dylan, I remember sitting down with Dylan, this was several years ago, um, and I asked him, what do you remember about that time? And there was a time when uh, my now ex-wife, but then wife, uh, we separated. On one of, on one of the occasions, uh, we got an apartment in Oak Park, and uh, Dylan couldn't have been more than four or five years old. And he remembers that. So at the time, Dylan's 25 now. At the time that I had this conversation with him, he was about, oh, yeah, 20 ish and so think of that so if you're a four or five year old and then all the tragedy that happens through no fault of your own um here you are now at you know 20 years old and so 
if if you look back at Griffin's life, um, I'd say from the age of say, oh, nineteen ish, you know, from five to nineteen, for if you're Dylan Kramer, those were not all good times, and and so, you know, thankfully. Dylan doesn't have to deal with the fact that his dad's no longer here. Um, uh, but still, uh, you know, I, I did choose to do what I did. So if you're him, there's still some processing that's got to go on in his life, I am sure. So I've got to tell you guys about this. The other day, I come across a product that all of us should be carrying around. It's something totally different for fresh breath. It's an amazing product called Zelman's Minty Mouth. And I'm telling you, it's a game changer. If you're up in the grill with somebody else and you're making your case for whatever it is, make sure your breath is fresh. Zelman's cleans your breath in a way that other mints don't and can't. Because it's not just a mint. It's a functional breath freshener capsule that you swallow. Clinically tested against the toughest offenders like garlic and onions. You just pop two or three in your mouth. You suck the minty coating. Then you swallow the capsule for the confidence of fresh, clean breath, and it lasts for hours. This product is like nothing else you've ever tried. It fights bad breath in your mouth, and then it goes right down to your gut. This is the ultimate hack to get rid of coffee, garlic, or smoker's breath. You're going to like having the confidence of long-lasting fresh breath or your money back guaranteed. These folks will give you your money back. Not that you'll want it, but they will. They have free shipping if you order three packs or more. Trust me, you're going to want more, and nobody likes to pay for shipping. Go to Zellmans.com right now. That's Z-E-L-M-I-N-S.com right now. You'll get 15% off when you use my promo code ROAM. That's Z-E-L-M-I-N-S dot com. You have to use the code Rome to get your 15% savings. Do it now. Oh, there's no doubt, right? I mean, I can't even imagine what, what a strong young man he has to be to have gone through what he went through. You know, Eric, you said at the top of the conversation, I'm happy. I'm actually, strange as it sounds, I'm happy. If you were depressed to the point that it puts you in that motel room and you mm-hmm. try to take your own life, what happened after? Like, clearly, you went through some insane, arduous rehab to put yourself back together and put your life back together. What about your depression? Did it return? Did it return with a vengeance? Or maybe are you no longer depressed? <laughs> That's another part of the story is that, no, depression is no longer a part of anything. Um, and why that is, I don't know. I'm thankful for it. But I think that what has occurred is that I have, there are times when I will allow the things going on around me that maybe to you or someone else don't seem all that irritating, but somehow to me they are. And so I've worked with uh, a neurologist first to, who's a brain specialist to um, literally, I wasn't sleeping. Like literally not like 24 hours. It was not uncommon for 24 hours to go by and I would not have slept or slept an hour or two. And so that was the first order of business and got that back under control. Um, and literally with some vitamin C, vitamin B, I think, or vitamin C, no, vitamin D, whatever it is. I'm still doing that. D, I and think, so, right? I think it's D. Okay. But 
whatever it is, uh, and along with uh, five milligrams of time-release melatonin. So now I'm sleeping and have been for, you know, so good several years. Um, but uh, uh, every now and then, like I said, these I, I just there's a counselor I meet with once a week, and uh, and I was telling her, she goes, what do you want to talk about today? And I said, well, kind of like what we do every day, every time we come in now. It's gone from me telling her how great things are to uh, telling her more about this. And so what I've worked with her, uh, what I've gotten her to help me do is get back to where when I when when I was playing uh, in Detroit, both in Detroit and Chicago. Um, uh, but Kevin Wildenhouse lives still there, lives in Detroit, retired now. But um, in terms of playing and life in general, uh, it's good to get in a state of mind, at least for me, that you're uh, relaxed and um, uh, kind of through guided imagery that you get yourself into this state of being where whether you're playing football or just going through life, that's where you act. And then you kind of have to throw some uh, some things that might put a wrench in your state of well-being. And then it's kind of like sitting, you know, it's like when you're driving, okay, the light's green, but then it turns yellow. Well, when it turns yellow, you know, soon after it's going to turn red. And so before everything, anything gets escalated, you kind of start to listen to cues or read cues in yourself that are, you know, okay, this just happened. And, oh, if I don't do something about this, I could get my, I could allow myself to escalate, which, so instead of doing that, Maybe I'll take a few deep breaths here and just kind of remove myself from the from the situation in the moment and kind of sit back and ch check out this aerial view. And uh, anyway, so those are things that just from time to time prop up, but it's kind of like anything. It's a practice. And so there's never a finish line. And it's something that, you know, I'll be doing most likely forever. So what I'm hearing from you is you have tactics and you have strategies and you have an understanding and you have a process. And as these things come up, you have a way to deal with it and it's ongoing. Eric, what if somebody's listening right now and they're depressed and they don't really know what's going on, but they know something's off. They don't know where to turn. They don't know what to do. They don't fully understand it. What's the first step they should take? What advice would you give that person? So there's, first, there are obviously psychologists out there that this is what they do for a living. They listen. They don't just listen, but they listen with an ear towards uh, kind of getting to, in, in their getting to know you, they get to know not only your situation, but those of how you fit into others around you. And they can help give you perspective that you might not currently have. That's number one. Number two is chances are in your life, in a person's lifetime, they will notice, they will observe, they will have observed at least one, two, maybe three people that look a little different the way they go through life. Meaning um, they seem easy listeners. They seem um, non-judgmental listeners. They seem to be someone who when someone else is talking to them or when they're listening, they listen in a way that seems inviting. 
And so those are the kind of people that you want to reach out to and say, hey, you know, I've noticed this about you. I could really use a friend like that right about now. And who's going to turn that down? So, you know, being able to talk to just doesn't have to be a 20 people, one or two. And someone that can kind of actively listen with some empathy, uh, try to put themselves in another person's shoes for a moment, that they're not looking to necessarily add to the conversation as, they much, as much as they are. They want to take in everything you have to say, be curious about more that you might not have said, and kind of just the act of you talking it out is therapy. Did you know one in four car batteries is weak and needs to be replaced? O'Reilly Auto Parts will test your battery for free. If your battery needs to be replaced, our professional parts people can help you find the right super start battery for your vehicle and budget. Don't wait. Get your battery tested for free today at your local O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. And as always, it's okay not to be okay, and there's a lot of help available, and you should find it. Eric, so, and, and I appreciate your story so much, and it's so great to get caught up. I And we'll talk about where they can get the book momentarily. Before I let you go, I'm going to ask you one football question, just one football question. Right. And, of course, you got the Rams, and you've got the Lions, and the Lions are in this thing, and it's going to get really loud at Ford Field. Matthew Stafford's going to make his return. I don't know, though, that it's going to approach the atmosphere that it was like at the Pontiac Silverdome when Barry Sanders was doing Barry Sanders-type things. I had a conversation with Barry recently on my daily program. We talked about his documentary on Amazon Prime when it was released. Mm -hmm. It was good to get caught up with him. I'm curious, Eric, what was your relationship with Barry like when you were teammates, and what was it like to play with him? Well, so you asked about the relationship. Barry is a very laid-back, easygoing guy. Um, Barry doesn't really hang out with anybody. Um, but, uh, he's easy to, I wouldn't say he's the easiest guy to get to know, but he's very easygoing and, um, doesn't ever draw attention to himself. What, what always stood out to me is there was nobody, uh, less impressed with Barry than Barry and what Barry did on the football field. And um, he's probably the most humble person I've ever met, regardless of anything to do with football or otherwise. And uh, there was a very young team back then, uh, kind of like the one that's there now. And a lot of us would hang out together. Uh, and so, you know, Barry was Barry would come by from time to time. And um, but, you know, he would he would come by in his little blue Acura with his uh <laughs> Uh, or like khaki jeans, you know, and it was just, he was the most unassuming guy ever. And to be as good as he, great, really, as he was, um, I, I've never really been around anybody else like that that was that good, and yet so unimpressed by it all. 
I think that's a great description, that he, he was so unassuming, yet so unbelievable, so easygoing, but not so easy to get close to. Eric, one final follow. What about, what a character. I used to get such a kick out of Wayne Fonts. What was Wayne Fonts like back then? What was he like as a coach? What was he like to play for? That's a, that we could go on for days about that. But um, Wayne was an interesting guy in that, uh, he was not somebody who kind of he was not the definition of a coach over preparing put it that way right and uh wayne liked to have a good time and things were kind of easy going but i think in one way or another one thing that was good about him is that uh he wasn't into uh seeing bodies crash and burn every day in practice so he had a a good kind of feel for uh, when to push and when to pull back. Um, and like I said, he was a character now. Um, and he, he definitely made things a little lighthearted at times. Um, so I don't know. I, I think everybody's got their difference of opinion. But, um, you know, I, I think the coaching staff we had, at least on defense, on, on the defensive side of the ball, was pretty damn good. And uh, at times, we had some good coaches offensively. Like when I first got there, Mouse Davis and June Jones were great, uh, but they, they were only there one year. And then um, Dan Henning, who I thought was really good, um, he got fired in the middle of the season. And um, so it was kind of a revolving door, kind of, of coaches, except for Wayne. And so... Um, uh, I don't quite know how to answer that question other than to say um, it was a bit circus-like at times. Um, but at other times, it, it worked. The, the thing that stood out for me the most, Jim, was how talented that team was. Like, ridiculous. And, and not just at any one position. We seemed to be pretty deep everywhere, and they acquired picks, uh, acquired players, um that fit also um because like brett perryman he wasn't drafted by the lions but he was acquired to the, from the saints um melvin jenkins was acquired i think from seattle uh and there were other players like that um uh, i think dave roberts came over he was an offensive lineman came from san diego with the chargers so and you know and there's obviously the list goes on but there was they drafted well acquired players very well um and, uh, yeah, as far as Wayne goes, though, like I said, it was um, not the typical head coach set of player experience. Yeah, you answered that exactly the way I thought. That's why I asked the question. Like, I, I've never seen a guy like that as an NFL head coach. I mean, what a character. I used to get such a kick out of the guy, and that was just on the outside looking in and just watching the guy's antics and his energy and just the vibe he threw off. I just, I had never seen an NFL head coach quite like that before. Eric, the book is called The Ultimate Comeback, Surviving a Suicide Attempt, Conquering Depression, and Living with Purpose. I'm so glad that you and I were able to get caught up. I mean, the whole thing is just so miraculous. I would imagine if people listening are interested in the book, they would get the book wherever they get their books. Would that be the case? Pretty much. I mean, it's the easiest thing for everybody to do is just get on Amazon. Um, Amazon's kind of taken over the world, so this is one way to help them pay the bills. So um, 
<laughs> yeah, that that's the easiest way. Good. And they should. And they should because there's so much more in the book. Eric, I appreciate you. I appreciate getting caught up. I appreciate that my old pal, Bill Keenest, put us together. So if you're in contact with him, be sure to send him my regards. And most of all, great to hear your voice, Eric. I appreciate it so much. I will definitely do that. I'll tell Bill you said that today. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved for only a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everybody feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service, as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. What an absolutely incredible comeback story. There's overcoming adversity, and then there's that story that Eric just shared with us. I appreciate Eric for opening up and stretching out and sharing that story because it's clearly an extremely devastating and extremely traumatic story, but a very important one. So my thanks to Eric for making that time and sharing it, and you absolutely should get his book. If you're looking for more raw and unfiltered conversations, I have already laid down 295 of them. So if you missed any of them, trust me, they all hold up. And if you want to be the first to know every single time a new episode drops, all you have to do is find the subscribe button and smash the subscribe button. So do me that solid. And if you would, that would be greatly appreciated. Thank you so much. And I will catch you right back here next week for episode 297. See you then.